is wonderful to be with you today. I count it a, a special privilege always to be worshiping with you. Uh, my name is Mike, one of the pastors on the team. I'd love to have you grab your notes out of your handout, and you will see that we are continuing this series called The Circus. Now, The Circus is our metaphor this time around for what family life looks and feels like, and I realize that many of us are at different sort of stages in the whole family life dynamic, reality, and spectrum, and I just want you to know that what we're talking about today is actually applicable to every single one of us. I'm just couching these relational truths in sort of a family dynamic metaphor. So, so I do want you to know, even maybe if you're just starting out on the family journey, maybe if you have, you know, uh, kids that are grown and out of the house, um, I trust that today there'll be truths that are very relevant to your life, no matter where you are in that spectrum. And you will see the title of today's message. It's Juggling the Ringmaster's Duties. And I just want you to think for a moment about the ringmaster. The ringmaster in a circus is the most important member. Often this is the boss because the ringmaster stage manages and time manages the performance, introduces the various acts, and guides the audience through the entertainment process. I don't know if you can sort of remember what the ringmaster typically begins with. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. And in the days before sort of the modern lighting equipment, it was actually the ringmaster's job to direct the attention of the audience to the appropriate sections of the performance area, even as previous acts were being torn down or the next acts were being set up. Most uh, performances were accompanied by music, therefore the ringmaster's booming voice was important as it cut through the clutter and excitement to announce the next act and to guide the audience attention toward it. Now I want you to think very carefully about that because that is the role that caring adults play in family dynamics. They direct the attention of their children and their families from one ring to the next, from one chaotic circus-like day to the very next. For example, the circus of getting up and getting dressed and ready for breakfast, right? The circus of getting to school on time with homework and permission slips and teacher appreciation gifts. The circus of organizing the house and cleaning the stables after the elephants have left and are gone, right? The circus of after school care, homework, orchestra, track, soccer, karate. Circus of meeting uh, the family meals and bedtimes and one more glass of water. And if the ringmaster successfully transitions and juggles through all of these activities, her reward or his reward is to do it again the very next day, right? And you know that we're busy, and you know that the pace is incredible, you know that family dynamics are tricky, but what I want you to see is that we all want good things for our families, each and every one of us, and that's what God wants for us as well. And so he even places these kinds of warnings throughout the scripture, for example, Proverbs eleven twenty nine: those who bring trouble on their families inherit the wind. Well, friends, we don't want to bring trouble on our families. Uh, in fact, I'm starting with the premise that each and every one of us want to bring peace and joy and life 
into our families. We know that family life is going to be like a circus, but we want all of the best parts to be appreciated and enjoyed. Because after all, when the ringmaster juggles these things in a healthy manner, family life is an incredible honor and gift from God. So a couple of things I want to jump in. If you're filling in the blanks, there are two ringmaster essentials that we need to keep coming back to again and again. And they are humility and prayer. Humility and prayer. Friends, each and every one of us need the Lord's help. And we cannot be too proud to ask for it. And so we need to be humble. And then we need to cover our families in prayer, lifting them up to the Lord in their trials and then thanking God for the incredible blessing that he has given us in our families. Last week we started this series and we talked about the the most important reality that we could possibly cover and that is that we walk this tightrope of leading by example. A scripture this morning is, is from Ephesians 5. It says, be imitators of God. You might want to circle that word imitators. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. See, the scripture says that we're to imitate God as what? As dearly loved children, right? Even in that context, the metaphor is we are a part of the family of God. He is our father. We're his sons. We're his daughters. And we're to live a life of love, the scripture says. Why is that? Because we've received love from the Father through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so we're to take on his character and be imitators of him just as our own children see our character and begin to imitate us, right? And this is the chief principle. You can just write this down somewhere. This is review from last week. That character is caught, not taught. We are to be imitators of God just as our children are imitators of us. Friends, we are under constant surveillance in our homes. This surveillance is 24-7. We are always in danger of identity theft from our bambinos, okay, from our children. And so let's make sure that what they're seeing is integrity, consistency, and the character that we want them to acquire. Let's live that reality. And what does it require? It requires humility and prayer. So with humility and prayer, what I want to do is I want to jump in and talk about three things, three rings for the ringmaster to negotiate. The first, really simple, but you'll see why it starts, it's the beginning. It's that we are called to set right priorities. We need to be involved in setting the right priorities for our family dynamics. This quote from Dr. Henry Cloud says, Clarity leads to attention. Attention leads to results. And so our job is to set right priorities and to bring clarity on what those are like. What is is the reality going to be in our family dynamic? And so it's important to set these priorities. The big picture, I just want to encourage you that that you're never going to go wrong when it comes to what priorities are we going to set in our home if you begin by looking at the person of Jesus. And at Overlake, we do this again and again and again. We take a look at Jesus. We want to see what it is that he taught. We want to see how it is that he lived. We want to see what it is that he prioritized so that we could prioritize the same things. 
And when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing there is in the world, he said a couple of things. He said, the first thing that's most important is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So that's what we want to do. We set that as a priority of love God. The second thing he said, the, the second commandment is just like that. He says, it's love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the second command we want to pursue, love people. Love God, love people. And another place in scripture, what Jesus said is, you are to serve one another. Even as I have come, not to be served, but to serve, so you are to serve one another. That's our third priority at Overlake, serve the world. So those are our three priorities as a church. I would encourage you, just as a follower of Jesus, as, as a human on this dusty trail, that you would incorporate those as your top three priorities. Love God, love people, serve the world. Those were his priorities that he gives to us. And I say this by way of encouragement. You can see that scripture on your outline, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. I want to encourage you in these priorities. I want to build you up in them. I know that so many of you are already living out these priorities in your life. But you need to not only embrace them, but then encourage your family members to pursue them as well. Now, they're going to flesh themselves out differently and uniquely in each one of your homes, in each one of your family settings. So I, I want you to think about this. Even maybe you don't have a home. Maybe you, 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 you know, you're just a student starting this whole journey of life. Even now, I would encourage you to think about what are the priorities that you want to see fleshed out in your family, Okay. Here's a couple that Jody and I have kind of sat down and we've talked through and, and we seek to, to have these as a part of our priority set in our home. Uh, I think they're going to be on the screen as well. We value one another. We honor one another. We make space for one another's interests. That's from Philippians chapter 2. We provide for one another's development, knowing that life is a journey and God has given each of us a calling and potential. We support each other. When one member of our family is under attack, the rest of our family goes into protect and encourage mode. And I don't know if you've ever seen this in your family, but I've seen it in mine. When one of my children is being kind of harassed or bullied or mean things are being said about them, the other two instantly kind of move into, hey, that's my brother. You leave him alone. Hey, I've got his back. You need to be kind, you know? And there's this kind of circle the wagons thing and it's really, really cool to see. I think God really loves it when we step up and we protect and we encourage our family members. Practically speaking, Jody and I have been together for 18 years, and we've sort of gutted our way to these practical priorities that happen in our home. I'm sure they're very similar to the ones that you have embraced that you see in your home. Um, and they're in no particular order. These are the four that we go after. Education and academics. We go after athletics and extracurricular activities. We go after kindness and easy forgiveness. I talked about that last week. And we go after our spiritual lives and growing. In other words, I've written this out in a purpose statement, which is this. I believe that God desires for us, this is Jody and myself, to nurture and develop smart, healthy, grace-filled Jesus followers, passionately loving God, loving people, and serving the world. Those incorporate all of our priorities in one purpose statement that we seek to live out again and again and again. This is our consistent reality that we go after. Now, I share all that with you. I, I just want to make sure that you understood what I said. We have sort of gutted our way there over 18 years. I wish that I was proactive enough to say 18 years ago, Jody and I sat down and we wrote that purpose statement, and today, 18 years later, we are living it with excellence. That's not the case. 
right? Uh, I wish it was the case. It's, it's just not. What happened is we sort of just kind of wandered into life and family and mostly just kind of holding on for all that we're worth. And uh, as we sort of grow and, and we mature and we see our family move into different and different seasons, these are the priorities that we have seen God flesh out in our lives. And so I want to encourage you with this, that even if you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm right in the middle of this, I haven't even thought about setting priorities, my encouragement is you can do this today, that you already have priorities even if you haven't identified them, right? So I want you to think about this for a moment, and specifically I want to talk to you about spiritual lives and our spiritual growth. I, I listed that as number four. It's not number four. I just, I, I just want to talk about it for a moment because all of our family priorities Every single one of them, every single priority you have in your family is going to have a long-lasting impact, but your spiritual priorities are going to have eternal impact. So look at what the scripture says about this. I'm speaking specifically to the caring adults in the room, right? It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down or when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Now, you take a look at that passage and you can see what the intent of the scripture is, is that we're to make our spiritual lives a constant part of our family dynamic, that our children are, are to understand the priority that our relationship with the Lord is. And we're to sort of talk about it. it. says, you know, as you're walking along the road, you're going on a road trip, you're talking about your faith, right? When you, uh, as you lie down at night, when you're tucking them in bed at night, that's a perfect opportunity to talk about faith, your relationship with the Lord. When you're waking up in the morning, it's time to pray together as you start your day. Like, like it's just constantly a part of your life. But then there's that last phrase. I want you to look at it. It says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. You have to do a little digging to see what that's really saying because foreheads is a symbol of our knowledge that we would pass on to our children an understanding of God's love for them, an understanding of what God's way looks like. And that symbols on your hands, our hands are a symbol of our actions so that our children would not only hear the words that we're saying in terms of how important faith is, but they would see it in our lives as we live out our faith commitments. Okay. So you see that this is God's plan from the very beginning, that our very homes would be built on Jesus' love and our commitment to him. I bring all this up, I'm taking a few minutes to talk about it, because a lot of parents over the years have had conversations with me, and I've heard them say some things that I find a little bit troubling. And maybe you've heard this phrase before too. Uh, parents will say, I don't want to impose my faith on my kids. I want them to decide on their own, right? Just at a show of hands, how many of you have heard that phrase at some point in your life, or at some point maybe you've even said it yourself? And, and um, I, I just want to say, just lovingly as a pastor, you know that's crazy town, right? Like that's, that's, that's just, if you're a follower of Jesus, it sounds sort of on the same level as me saying, I don't want to teach my kids that playing Frisbee on the 405 is wrong. I want them to find that out on their own, right? 
Because I, you, you just have to think about it for a, a second. Do you realize that every single message that is coming at your child, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 messages a day are all telling your kids what to believe. You realize that every song is telling your children what their value system should be. You realize that every commercial that is being bombarded, your kids are just being bombarded with, you realize that that is all sort of telling them what their priorities are to be. So parents, you should at least get your two cents in, right? You should at least share what it is that's going on in your heart and what you've come to determine as true and as real and, and as priority. And I do want to say this, that it is impossible to force your faith on your kids. It literally is impossible. There's this little thing called free will. And your child, if you haven't seen this yet, you will. Maybe you're not a parent yet. Maybe you're a parent, your kid's just tiny. Even if your kid's tiny, you know, oh no, they have free will. I can make them do very, very little, okay? You, you can sort of set up the framework and the parameters, but your child is gonna have free will. They're gonna respond to life as God has wired them. So my question to you parents, if you're a Christ follower, it's just this. Why would God be an option in your home? It's your home. You're paying the bills. You're putting food on the table, right? Uh, in your house, I'm guessing that education is not an option, that dental hygiene is not an option, that wearing clean underwear, not an option, right? God is more important than even clean underwear, okay? And if your life has been radically invaded by the love and grace of Jesus Christ, then why wouldn't you want your children to have that same experience? Now, I understand very well that there are times when kids don't want to go to church. Like, I get that. Um, in fact, I was reminded of this joke, and maybe you've heard this before. A wife went to wake her husband for church early one Sunday morning. When she tried to oust him out of bed, he groaned, rolled over, and said, I'm not going why not, asked his wife. He said, I'll give you two reasons. One, the people at church don't like me very much. And two, I'm not so sure I like them very much either. His wife replied, well, I'll give you two reasons why you will go to church. The first, we've told the kids that going to church is a priority in our home. And second, you're the pastor of that church. Now get out of bed. <laughs> Friends, even pastors don't feel like going to church sometimes. But there is a lot better chance of your family making a true connection with God at church than by sleeping in and playing Xbox on Sunday mornings. Now, this is just my opinion, my very correct opinion, okay? <laughs> so here's an assignment for you. This week, what I would have you do is I would have you, if, you, if you'll take me up on it, I would have you sit down for 20 minutes and make a list of the priorities that you live out in your home, okay? In fact, what you might wanna do is you might wanna make a list of the priorities you want to live out in your home, and then, if you're brave, evaluate them against the priorities that you actually live out in your home. See if there needs to be some course correction. But ringmasters, I just want to let you know that your first, this is one of your, the, the most important jobs that is assigned to you is to set right priorities in your family, okay? And again, what does this require? It requires our humility. It requires prayer. 
In addition to setting right priorities, the ringmaster must also handle this, managing time together. This is your responsibility for the caring adults, the grandparents, the parents, uh, your task with managing time together. And when it comes to time, every single person has the same exact amount of time. You have exactly 60 seconds in every minute. You have exactly 60 minutes in every hour. You have exactly 24 hours in every day. This is, this is exactly what you have, and it's what every single person has. So spend your time on what is most important. And the challenge that I would present to you when it comes to time together is that you would be consistently present. Consistently present. It doesn't matter what study you read, and I've read several Every single study that evaluates family dynamics says that healthy children thrive when there is consistent investment from parents, grandparents, and caring adults in their lives. Consistent presence. By choosing to allocate time resources to your family, you are providing love. Now, I know when I talk about consistently present, being present with your family, Immediately, some of you, they're, they're kind of red flags, maybe even a guilt feeling that comes up when I talk about this because you're thinking, oh, I'm not spending enough time with my family. The pastor is just hammering me on this. And I just want you to hear my heart. I'm not interested in bringing a guilt trip today. And I want to spend a minute talking to the, to the single um, parent homes. The, 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 those of you who, for whatever reason, you're, you're a single parent, you're raising children in your home. I, I just know only a little bit of how exhausting that is. Whenever Jody goes on a trip, I'm the only one, or when I'm gone, Jody's the single parent in the home taking care of our kid. It's so exhausting. And you're working so hard just to make sure that an income keeps coming in steadily and, and that there's actual sort of the basic needs of life being provided for. And so you're always feeling the pressure of guilt. I'm not spending enough time with my family. So I just want to speak to you for a moment. I want to tell you that, that in many ways, I find you heroic to me. And I just, I, I want to encourage you. And even I want to encourage you with this, that maybe right now in your family dynamic, your children don't understand your sacrifice and what you're investing in them. But there will be a day when they're mature enough. And they will appreciate. And they will thank you for your investment. So keep on keeping on. We love you, friends. No, the, the people that I do want to bring guilt to are the people <laughs> that you've got a great income and, and you've already got a home and you've got cars and yet you're killing yourself week in and week out to make just a little bit more money, get that extra promotion, get that extra accolade so that you can buy a bigger house better cars, you can wear better clothes, send your kids to better schools, that kind of a thing. And it's just all about more, bigger, and better for you. And so then you kind of get exhausted in that rat race, and then you start kind of blaming it on your children. Oh, it's their fault. I have to work so hard to keep this all up. And, and I just want to tell you, no, 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 that's a, that's a wheel. That's like, like this hamster wheel. You can get off. Your kids don't want your money. They want your time. They want you. And the investment that you could make as a dad or as a mom, the, the, the caring adult investing in the life of a child, that pays far greater dividends in this life and the next 
than any amount of money you could hand them. And so I just, I want you to wrestle with that because I know here we are on the east side, a lot of us, we get caught up in that. I just want to say, if you're going, well, what's the biblical value here? The biblical value is God has always honored presence. You think about God creating the world, it was his presence that spoke the world into existence. You think about the person of Jesus Christ, this was God becoming incarnate. He was being present in our neighborhood, coming near. This has always been God's plan. This has always been his model. John 1.14, so the word became human and made his home among us. This is Jesus. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And now, if you have a relationship with God because you've trusted in Jesus, the the scripture says that God actually sends his presence to come and dwell inside of us. Ephesians 3.17 talks about how the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in our hearts. So when we worship God, when we talk about God, we're talking about a God who absolutely values consistent presence with us. When Jesus was leaving, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So yes, God models presence, and we, through his supernatural power dwelling within us, we can actually embrace presence with our family as well. And just so you know, if you, you know, Mike, what, kind of, what are you talking about? I'm around my kids all the time. I work from home, etc. I, I just want you to know that there's a difference between your body being present and your mind and emotions being present, okay? And I'm talking about all three, right? That your mind and your body and your emotions are all present with your family together because that's where the investment really is made. So a couple of things that you might want to just jot down. Uh, the first is that quality time comes from quantity time. Quality time comes from quantity time. I know that for a while, like when I was growing up in the 80s, there was a a big buzz phrase around quality time, have quality time with your family. And I just want you to know, as a father of three, I feel like every time I have gone into a situation um, needing quality time to happen, it never happens. But anytime I'm just open for quantity time, there are these like lightning strikes of quality time that happen within. Does this make sense? If you only have two minutes of time and you want to spend quality time with your four-year-old, let me tell you, don't just sit down next to him and say, buddy, I got two minutes. Let's talk about your future. You know, what's really going on in your world? You know, like that's, it's, that, nothing's going to happen in that context. But if you invest quantity time, Hey, let's wrestle around the floor. Let's make Star Wars, you know, language together. Let's uh, pretend we're dinosaurs, you know, like all that stuff. Then at some point, there'll be quality time that happens out of that quantity time, okay? So that's the first thing. Second thing I would encourage you to do is seek to enjoy family dinners. And I, I know that's not rocket science, friends. I, I, I get that. The, the thing is, though, there's something very ancient and biblical about enjoying meals together. So it makes total sense to me that the pace of life today would be about destroying family meals together. And in our family, what we seek to do is we seek to have as many family dinners together as possible during the course of the week. 
And out of those family dinners, we try to always have one sort of ritual that we do. We just call it, we just call it days. That's all it is. How was your day? Time to talk about the days, right? And so we'll just go around the table. Alex, how was your day? Caleb, how was your day? Doozy, how was your day? And we'll just get a report. What were the good things? What were the bad things? The frustrating things? Who'd you play with at recess? That kind of a thing. And we just go around. Now, uh, sometimes those things are profound, those times together. Sometimes they're not, just very perfunctory. But uh, my family knows that's sort of the ritual. There have been times, and I want to say fairly often, that um, milk is spilled, and we have to remind one or more of our children to sit down all the way on their bottom. And uh, many times they erupt in dance parties. But that's just our family. It doesn't have to be every family. I just want you to know that this idea of spending meals together, this is a time where God really does use the idea of presence. And the last help here is that whenever you can, double up. Now, this is an idea I stole from Randy Frazee in his book on time management called Making Room for Life. And doubling up does not mean more multitasking. Friends, I I hope you know that multitasking really isn't multi at all. If you're trying to email and talk to your kid at the same time, you're actually just emailing, okay? So keep that in mind. No, doubling up is a little bit of a different idea, and it's this reality that many folks today are doing life in a disconnected, inorganic way. For example, they're driving 25 minutes to drop my child at a private school. My kids are in an athletic program in another town next to us with a whole different group of students. Church is a half hour drive from where we live and their church friends live another half hour on the other side of church. And because of this reality, everything's disconnected. Our children are never able to dive deep into friendships and parents spend most of their lives as shuttle drivers. This is a reality, I I, I get this. However, I want you to envision a life, this is what I mean by doubling up, where if my kids' soccer friends are also their school friends, And if their school friends are also the neighborhood friends, and if the neighborhood friends are also their church friends, and if most of my friends are my kids' friends' parents, then you could see how deeper and organic those relationships would be. In other words, I'm now free to lead my family in these rich relationships with their church friends who also live next door, who go to the same local school and play on the same sports teams. The Bible talks about this, the idea of investing where you are. In fact, in Proverbs 27.10, it says, Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who's far away. Now, I, I just confess this reality. Nobody can make their lives that tidy. But I would say that this is a goal worth pushing toward, and many of you are already pushing toward it. In fact, the more and more we embrace, embrace this Blessing My City campaign, that we're in, ministering to our neighbors, investing in our local schools, developing friendships on our sports teams, bring inviting all of our friends along to join us at OCC. The more this becomes a reality, the more it is beautiful. So I just encourage you, I applaud you for living this. Again, what does managing our time require? It requires humility and it requires prayer. The next fill-in here is I wanna also encourage the ringmasters to seize margin to play. Seize margin to play together. The scripture says in Proverbs 15, 13, a glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. And so I would encourage you to invite play into your homes, uh, to build play as a part of your family dynamic. 
and a couple of truths here that I hope are helpful. The first is to seize the openings in your schedule. So wherever there are natural openings in your schedule, go ahead and seize those and make those a, a part of a repetition of, of play in your home. For us, what we do during the school year is we have what's called Family Fun Fridays, right? Family Fun Fridays, and so we just schedule that in. Uh, kids know they don't plan time with friends. We try not to have any outside activities on Family Fun Fridays. Mostly athletics are done at that point. No homework that night. And so we just do, you know, we just do fun stuff. We just plan it. That's, that's what the family's going to do. We might, you know, go to the waterfront. We might, uh, you know, uh, just watch a movie together, just, you know, p- pajama dance party, whatever that looks like. But it, we know that's kind of built in to our schedule. Um, also, I would just tell you that in terms of, like, many of our work schedules, they kind of ebb and flow. And I get what it's like to be very busy in a season and then to kind of have a little bit less of a season. I was away for a couple weeks leading an overlake trip overseas. But when I came back, I tried to lean heavy back into family and spend several days just investing heavily of quantity time there. Um, It's been beautiful, by the way. Overlake, we love how beautiful, can we just thank the Lord for sunshine and for no rain, and it's just awesome, yeah. You're, uh, thank you, Lord. That, the, he gets a golf clap, that's it? We love it, Lord, thank you, yeah. When it's sunny in the Northwest, it reminds you of why you moved here in the first place. It's just beautiful. Um, but we've been playing like hide and seek a lot with my family. In fact, in my family, we, we do this thing. Uh, it's, it's a game we made up called Hunter Hunted, and you play it with um, Nerf dart guns. And so what I'll do, uh, just real quickly, you're welcome to steal this, is I'll go hide in the yard with a loaded dart gun, and then my son will try to come find me. So he's the hunter. He starts as the hunter. But if he passes my hiding place then I begin to stalk him, and he is now the hunted. (laughs) And this will certainly come up in therapy at some point, I'm sure. (laughs) But I just want to encourage you to seize the natural openings in your schedule, lean into them for play, and then the second truth here is to create openings if you don't have any to seize. So I know this sounds crazy to hear your pastor say this, but in our house, We have pulled our kids out of all sorts of activities when Jody and I discern that things have been too crazy, the pace has been too intense. So I just want you to know that we have had them miss sporting events, practices, and games. We have had them blow off school or not turn in a homework assignment. And we've actually pulled them out of a church activity or two if we sense that things have been too crazy or there's some kind of a special situation going on. I do want to let you know that Jody pulled the kids out of school to take them to the Seattle Seahawks parade downtown, but in our house, we call that spiritual formation. Totally different thing. Oh, do we still have Denver fans here? Oh. Proverbs 17, says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Joyful heart. So we want to have good medicine in our homes, and we want to build in a kind of a natural flow where there's plenty of time to play. Now, I do want to let you know that, that I was leading this overlake trip, and we, our, our footsteps of Paul took us through Greece and into Italy, and, 
And while I was over there, I saw an interesting cultural dynamic, totally different than the one we live. So the culture over there, in both of these Mediterranean situations, it, uh, it's sort of a culture that gets started a little bit later in the morning. There's definitely a siesta vibe in the afternoon. Families all come out of their homes at like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. They're all walking the streets together, enjoying conversation, enjoying community life. Kids are playing soccer in the plaza at 10 p.m. Folks are going in to meals together in the local restaurants, meals that don't last for 15 minutes on the run, but last for hours because the entertainment is the time together. And I say all this, I realize that no culture's perfect and there's a lot of things that are kind of broken about those societies that we visited, just like there are things broken about our society here in America. I just want to remind you of this. Who creates culture? We do. We are the culture creators. And if there's something going on in our culture, like the pace of life that is exhausting, a pace of life that is soul-threatening, a pace of life that destroys our family dynamic, then friends, whose job is it to change the culture? It's ours. We can embrace whatever cultural reality we want to embrace. We can raise our families in the kind of healthy family dynamic that God wants for us. And it begins by setting right priority, by managing time together, and by seizing these opportunities to play, okay? And this is right at the beginning of summertime, so I, I think for some of us, this is going to kind of flow naturally, talking about barbecues and block parties and all that stuff. It's a way to bless your city. It's also a way to build your family. And the last truth I want to talk about here is the idea of seizing margin to serve. Seizing margin to serve. We talked about how your kiddos see you, and they see how you're living life, and they see if serving is a priority. Bible talks about putting this on your hands, your faith on your hands. That means actually serving and putting serving God into motion. And so what I want to do right now is I want to talk to a couple of groups. The first is I want to talk to grandparents today. You, you have successfully raised your adult children. They are out of your home. They're starting and raising families on their own. And now you have an opportunity. You get a chance to serve the ringmasters in their own circuses. And I just want to tell you that you have an invaluable role. I don't think this side of heaven, we're ever going to see the kind of impact grandparents have on lives. I've shared with you before, Overlake, that if it wasn't for my grandparents, I wouldn't know what unconditional love was. But they showed me God's heart by loving me always. Grandparents, you have that opportunity. But I also want to let you know that it requires, just like I've said for all these other things, it requires humility and prayer. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to come into your child's home and become the ringmaster for them. You don't want to elbow them out of the ring and say, hey, I've got this. I'll, I, I did the ringmaster thing once. Now I'm going to do it again in your home. No, no, it's their time to be the ringmaster in their home. You get to come along and be wind in their sails. Does this make sense? You get to play support role. You get to play the awesome role of absolutely loving your grandkids, you know, not undermining your child's parenting at all. But you can absolutely love your grandkids. You no longer have to parent them. You can grandparent them. And what that means is love them unconditionally. 
You play with them on their level. You invest in them relationally. You give them lots and lots of sugar, and then you go home, okay? (laughs) The second thing I want to talk about is this idea of those of you who are pursuing being great ringmasters, you're you're seeking to have right priorities, managing time together, um, but maybe some things outside of your control have entered into your lives. This could be a health crisis with your child or your parents. Could be unemployment. Could be mechanical issues, housing issues, all kinds of things that come in and sort of derail the circus. And as we pursue Serve the World locally at at OCC, we want to build margin in our own lives so that we can help other ringmasters, that we can help other parents in and around our community. And the point is that we all have resources, we all have talents that can breathe life into another circus tent, but we need to seize the margin to do so. So at Overlake, one of the key ways that we do this is called Safe Families. And expanding Safe Families is a key expression in our Blessing My City campaign. There are three levels to Safe Families. The first is that of being a neighbor, so you know the the needs that exist and you respond when you can help. Second is being a host family. And that is providing childcare for a short period of time. And the third is being a family friend, supporting biological parents in a variety of ways. And so what I want to do right now is I, I want to share a video of how you can be a neighbor in, in need, that you can assist another ringmaster when they're having a need or some form of, of uh, you know, they're asking for help. And this is the lowest level of what it looks like to be involved in safe families. But I think you'll see when you watch this video, it's something each and every one of us can do. So go ahead and watch this. Share connects our extra resources with others who need them. It is a network of strangers who realized that they were neighbors and even became friends. Just like most communities decades ago, now we can know once again how to help. Just 10 miles away, a single dad really needs your old bike to get to work to provide for his family. A family of five needs your extra mattress so their kids can all sleep in a bed.
So friends, this idea of, of uh, sharing, right, you share, it goes right along with a series we did last fall, Less Stuff, More Life, and it also goes hand in hand with the idea of blessing our cities, right, that we would become more connected, more caring, more giving in our neighborhoods. So I hope each and every one of us take a moment, and uh, there's even just a box on the card to fill out, uh, talking about, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in participating in you share. And of course, they're in the hallway afterwards. Love to get you signed up today, okay? Here's what I want you to know. I want you to think about the things that we've talked about. I want you to think about priorities. I want you to think about managing your time. I want to think it, you think about building margin, okay? Think about these three things for just one second in your family dynamic. If you don't handle those, if the ringmaster doesn't take intentionality and with humility and prayer begin to negotiate those three rings in a healthy manner, then I just want you to know it, that's when our circuses feel out of control that's when they feel unhealthy, chaotic, and dangerous. But if you take effort, if you take intentionality with humility and prayer to set right priorities, to manage time together, and to build margin into your life, then I want you to see that becomes a foundation to launch your family into health and to wholeness. That's what Jesus is gonna use to bring life and the fullness and abundance of life that he has planned for each of our families. So what I want to do right now is I want to invite you to pray with me. Okay, so go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for three groups that might be here today. And the first is we're going to pray, and Jesus, we want to pray for the ringmasters that are here right now with no margin in their lives whatsoever. We want to pray for the ones who feel that they are absolutely maxed out. We want to pray for those who feel that they are exhausted, that they are tired, that they are just barely making it through each day, and then the next day comes too early. Holy Spirit, would you bring your encouragement? Would you bring your strength? Would you bring your courage and your comfort? Would you allow us to see that, that we are not on our own, that you are with us each and every step of the way, that every kindness, every extra effort you see, you honor and you value, and we are so thankful. We ask that you would magnify our time, that you would magnify our efforts, that you would bring your health and your wholeness into our families. And Lord Jesus, we also wanna pray for those who do have margin, those who have successfully set priority and managed time, built margin into to their lives. Lord, we pray that you would bring us the opportunity to share what we have to bless others. We pray that you would bring us the conviction for us to invest in other ringmasters and other circuses so that health would continue to spread. We know, Lord Jesus, that you bless us, that you delight in blessing us, but so often you bless us so that we may bless others. Would you allow us to do that, not only today, but in the weeks to come? We pray this in Jesus' holy name, amen.